0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Manufacturing Talks. For our first episode of 2024, I'm excited to bring you Avinash Prasad, the VP at the Hardware Catalyst Initiative at Venture Lab. And he's joining us to speak about some of the exciting projects happening in the space of semiconductors, its manufacturing, its ongoing shortages in Canada, and the developments happening within the country as well. Uh, yes, Avinash, thank you for reaching out and you know being available to speak to our subscribers at uh, Canadian Manufacturing. You know, it's clear recently, especially in the last year, global chip sales are already rising and the US has made, you know, uh, some significant investments in uh, semiconductor manufacturing. What does this mean for Canada, especially since we know that it takes 10-20 years to see the effects of semiconductor manufacturing domestically?
1: I think uh, that there is broad impact to anybody anywhere in the world. So Canada is no different. Uh, in fact, uh, it's uh, been posited, and I, I, I support the view that uh, you, you will not be a G7 country if you don't have a strong semiconductor sector. Uh, so even if you're not involved in the semiconductor uh, industry, or even peripherally, let's say, let's say you're in the restaurant industry, you're still impacted by the semiconductor in, in uh, sector. The criticality of what it brings uh, to the economy, uh, how important it is to uh, to people's lives, uh, it, it's very significant. And what the U.S. has recently done by a significant achievement is already having an impact in Canada as well. The Bromont sector, where they uh, do advanced packaging, uh, flip chip uh, packaging and so on, is is already aligned to that. There are other opportunities for us in Canada to support uh, the U.S. semiconductor uh, investment. So I, I, I would say there is definitely direct and derivative benefits for us. Uh, one point of data that I, I, I will add, just to ensure that The breadth of impact is understood at Semiconductor Industry Association in the U.S., they've done multiple studies over the years, but it's very consistent in what it shows. And in 2022, the most recent data that I have, uh, they show that for every semiconductor professional, there's 5.7 jobs created in the broader economy. That's the level of impact. That's what we want to see more of. Uh, and we believe uh, that with our investment in EV battery technologies, uh, there's opportunity in power uh, semiconductors. And uh, these uh, power semiconductors fall into the category of uh, what they're called compound semiconductors. But they also include things like uh, photonics, lasers, uh, photonics interconnect. So uh, they they are categorized typically as gallium nitride, in, in uh, uh, silicon carbide, indium phosphide. There are others, but those are three examples.
0: Interesting. Uh, so that's a pretty, uh, yeah, technical overview of the, the kinds of semiconductors that, you know, are required today and are being used today. Uh, I'm curious, and you sort of alluded to it when you were, you know, referring to some other industries that are was you know, heavily reliant on semiconductors. i'm I'm curious how how reliant startups and SMEs across manufacturing might be on semiconductors and how necessary and needed you know semiconductor production is in Canada.
1: I, I think probably the um, chip shortage highlighted how dependent we are because uh, things that people didn't realize. Uh, were so dependent on semiconductors, all of a sudden it wasn't available or it became more expensive or lead times became much longer. Uh, And the reality is, it's probably an easier question to ask what doesn't have semiconductors in it or or uh, components related to that industry. Uh, rather than what does have it so many of the products we, we use today have sensor technology in them uh, microprocessors or custom silicon uh, and even things uh w- which are not directly semiconductors uh voltage regulators uh, uh resistors all of these things uh, uh are significantly important and without you know even one of these components on a on a uh a, a microelectronics board uh, can cause that product not to be available. It simply won't work. It it, it requires all of them to function properly. Uh, so we saw that cars were not able to be delivered because they didn't have a component. Uh, this this is not only true for the products that are being built. This is also true the, for the f- uh, fabrication lines, the equipment that's needed when they break down and you have to repair them or replace them. You're very much dependent on that uh, semiconductor production line, the microelectronics production line. Uh, so the uh, availability of these components are very critical. And even if your production line is fine, then what about your suppliers? Or what about your logistics? What about uh, uh, all the uh, ecosystem that you rely on uh, to get your product to market? Uh, So it's all interconnected and all highly dependent on the availability of, of the semiconductor supply chain.
0: Um, I also, I did want to ask a little bit about uh, the hardware catalyst initiative. Uh, I'm curious uh, if there are specific companies within the HCI or how the HCI is uh, focused on, you know, making this, I guess, chip shortage or the, or the, you know, semiconductor shortage better or is the HCI more on the other end where it's just affected by the uh, semiconductor shortage and relying on, um, you know, more chips uh, to develop uh, their own technologies?
1: So it, it did uh, come around in both aspects. Uh, so we, we have a mix of uh, companies that we support. We support companies that uh, are developing actual semiconductors. So they're not uh, integrating other semiconductors into the solutions they're providing. They're actually building the semiconductors. Uh, or the sensor technologies, but we also have companies that are building microelectronic boards. Now, now they were more affected, all of them were affected, but they were more affected because uh, even if they were at a prototyping stage, the availability of components were just not there. And uh, uh, you, you're uh, again, uh, you, you may have a board with a, th- a, a, a thousand parts or f- at the minimum several hundred parts, And you cannot get the board available to you because the component's simply not there for you. Uh, And larger uh, companies have essentially vacuumed up what was available and the prices become exorbitant. So for startup companies, there, there was a lot of pressure and what we tried to do, because so many of us come from the private sector previously to support these companies, we reached out to our uh, contacts who used to supply to us uh, to see if they could accommodate us. For companies developing product, typically they're not at a stage yet where they need large quantities for production releases. So uh, we try to support them by getting uh, maybe a handful of components that they could at least move their development forward.
0: Interesting. I'm curious. I know HCI and you know many associations across tech receive funding from the government but I'm curious what you would say we need from a regulations perspective from the government in order to see, you know, some a uh, little bit more pace within uh, semiconductor production in Canada.
1: So, I wouldn't uh, necessarily cat- cat- categorize it as a regulatory challenge per se, but I would say it's more uh, involved in establishing a conducive ecosystem, an ecosystem that uh, uh, supports the build-out of our semiconductor and hardware technology industry. And I would be remiss in not recognizing FedDev for the contributions they, they've made to us. Uh, they've helped us build over $11 million in lab infrastructure, which in turn, we help uh, our hardware startups with. The provincial government has contributed 3.5 million dollars and we've uh, managed to build a med tech lab with that support med tech companies and uh, we we also uh, support automotive startups uh, with the assistance of that funding york region has also contributed 1.5 million dollars so i do want to recognize uh, their contributions and the impact we've been able to have through that those contributions uh, to the ecosystem, uh, but like anything else, there's other opportunities as well that we can get into, and certainly government could uh, uh, support that as well. Once again, I see progress being made in things like elevate IP and IPON programs, one by the federal government, one by the provincial government that's helping with uh, IP support. Uh, but I would like to see more streamlined uh, tech transfer processes in universities. There's a lot of IP in universities that entrepreneurs could harness and uh, commercialize. Uh, to me, it's a little bit like having money under the mattress. Uh, it becomes worthless over time when it could be put to work. Uh, so, uh, I, uh, you know, every university has its own mechanism and some are doing it better than others but none are doing it the same. So it's a little bit of a labyrinth for uh, entrepreneurs who are looking to leverage that IP to to commercialize it. Uh, And the universities don't often have the same sense of urgency that our entrepreneurs uh, have. Time is an absolutely critical asset or liability, depending on how you look at it. It's certainly important for them to get their product to market in the shortest time possible Uh, And getting hung up with uh, tech transfer processes causes a lot of difficulty. Uh, Then the broader opportunity is certainly in the fabrication side. And I mentioned compound semiconductors. I also mentioned the number of jobs that are related to that. And I also mentioned that countries without a major semiconductor industry are unlikely to be within the G7. So it's not the case that Canada is going to be able to put the similar level of funds that the U.S. has invested in there. It is neither necessary, nor is it wise for us to replicate uh, entire semiconductor fabrication supply chains. This is not what I would recommend, what anybody who is knowledgeable about the industry would recommend. But what we need to do is to look for the critical fabrication opportunities and put put our investment in there. Because when you're part of that, then as I was mentioning before, when you're putting together uh, uh, microelectronic systems, you need uh, components and you need them from wherever they're available. So you'll be part of that critical supply chain. Uh, We just have to determine what are the ones we want to be involved in. Uh, And uh, compound semiconductors is definitely an area I see opportunities. Uh, MEMS technologies these are technologies uh, that are related to sensor development so like microphones within laptops and smartphones or like the blind spot sensors or the gyroscope in your phone those types of technologies we also have the opportunity to get involved in fabrication there Uh, and uh, we do have uh, Teledyne Dalsa and Bromont uh, area that's producing that kind of technology.
0: Interesting. Um, my next question sort, sort of has to do with the your, your comment about building a better bridge between the technologies and universities and um, um, entrepreneurs. Uh, I'm sort of curious how the that those entrepreneurs within that semiconductor manufacturing space can separate itself from some of the other more lucrative, more sexy software, other kinds of tech that are trying to attract talent From universities i'm wondering if hci or um you know some of the companies within that semiconductor space uh, what they're doing to separate itself to i guess uh, alleviate you know that labor shortage and attract talent
1: well you're absolutely correct on the labor shortage side of things Uh, deloitte uh, issued a study recently that uh, projected a global shortage of over 1 million semiconductor professionals by the end of this decade uh, so th- there is a that that need is being faced by every country and Canada is no exception again uh, in that regard. Uh, Canada, I would say has a pretty healthy immigration policy when it comes to technology professionals. Uh, I would certainly like to see, um, Emphasis being placed on semiconductor professionals in particular, so not just technology professionals, but semiconductor professionals. Uh, I think that's valuable. Uh, I'd also like to see both uh, government and universities align on effective policies for encouraging professionals going into engineering or even thinking about going into engineering uh, to consider the opportunities in this area. And I think it's an industry, government, academia, Uh, engagement along with ecosystem partners like ourselves that can help uh, change that narrative. Uh, This again is extremely important for us because without that vibrant ecosystem, uh, we don't have the opportunities also to not only uh, help our um, entrepreneurs uh, start up their companies with the talent they need. Also, companies looking to establish in uh, in, in Canada, the story becomes much more compelling if we have the talent. Uh, if there is one, if, the, if if we want to look for the number one uh, distinguishing factor that's going to make the difference between a, a, a healthy, vibrant semiconductor sector or not, I would say it's going to be the availability of talent. That is vital. Uh, We're fortunate at HCI that uh, we also have a startup visa program. So for uh, foreign direct investment uh, companies that we support, uh, we also have the startup visa program that we're able to support specific talent that is necessary uh, to support those uh, opportunities. Uh, As you probably gather within Venture Lab, within the HCI program, we don't only place a very narrow focus on the support of entrepreneurs in the hardware sector that is our certainly our core raison d'etre but we also are looking to uh, create the policies and ecosystem in the broader sense that is beneficial to everyone and ultimately our uh, startup companies so we're looking to try to have that impact by uh, communicating with stakeholders, how vital this is, and what it means to the future of Canada.
0: It, it seems like there's some progress, but I really hope it continues to work. You know, um, um in terms of you know attracting talent and everything.
1: Well, well quite honestly, Sadi, I think what you do and uh, the the these uh, articles that you produce are part of that uh, yeah. awareness that's important.
0: Um, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, like the more we can, you know, publicize some of the cool work that's happening at places like, you know, the H- H- HCI, um, you know, goes a long way as well. Sort of, I did have uh, like one last question, um, how the, uh, the semiconductor technologies that are being developed, where they're being used uh, within manufacturing or how they're being used within uh, manufacturing, where are you seeing these the semiconductors uh, being used?
1: Uh, once again, if we look at it in the context of manufacturing, we see it across the across the board where uh, we have companies in our uh, ecosystem, for example, that are developing technologies for autonomous delivery of, let's say, work in progress. So whether that be components or, for example, there, there's a greenhouse, uh, Cyberworks Robotics, one of the companies in our ecosystem is, has developed uh, autonomous vehicle uh, technology. Uh, that can be retrofitted to uh, non-autonomous vehicles uh, so they can get fertilizers from one place to the next, plants from one place to the next uh, without uh, human involvement. Uh, That can also be done in warehouses and and so on. So that's one example. Uh, Robotic Arms uh, uh, Quality Control Inspection System, another company that we work with, uh, Autometrics, uh, has developed uh, AI technology, inspection technology. So as welds are being done, uh, they are inspected as the weld is being done. So not after the fact, but whilst the weld is, is being created. So there's a lot of technology uh, available. However, like most things for manufacturers, it's always what is required for your customers, what's required for your product, uh, what are your competitors doing, what what are what's happening in the ecosystem uh, and awareness. Uh, You you always want technology to be the servant of the business, not the master. You don't want uh, technology for technology's sake. So it's always important to understand what the technology can do for you. And and there are very many strategies, I would say, that you can use to effectively uh, get the right technology, speak to your peers, speak to people, not only in your local area, but uh, uh, globally, if you can. Uh, and it's some, sometimes it's as simple as making sure you get that user manual because the data that comes in a glossy marketing brochure doesn't tell you the whole story. If you get your hands on the user manual, you can typically find out a lot about the technology and what it can actually do for you and not do for you. But what I would say is not being aware of what's the latest technology trends in your industry in the broadest sense can be dangerous to your industry. Somebody uh, can take advantage of what you don't know.
0: Yeah. no, I mean, we see it happen all the time in companies lose there's money like that. Um, I guess one last question, I guess, before I let you go, I, I'm curious if you're worried at all about um, the possible clash, if at all, between the, uh, the semiconductor manufacturing production and the federal government's focus on clean tech and clean energy and uh you know focus on electrification and i say that because um obviously there's a huge mining cost associated tangentially at least with the uh, you know semiconductor production there's also you know a large environmental cost that goes along with it and um, i'm wondering if you see if we're seeing in the future um uh, you know an opportunity where uh, you know there might there might be issues
1: uh, i i don't think uh, it's going to be a situation where it's one or the other i think yes we have to be mindful of the environmental consequences and make sure that we're doing the right thing to be responsible to the environment. That that you know that was uh, I, I used to work uh, a significant part of my time in in Asia, uh, and you could see the environmental consequences. Uh, but as these countries became uh, have become more prosperous, uh, the people themselves have insisted and, and uh, policymakers have followed with uh, more environmentally conscious policies. Uh, I'd say that we have to do the same uh, ourselves, but I'd also say that as much as this causes challenges, uh, technology uh, is also an opportunity for clean tech and environmental Uh, opportunities, uh, responsible opportunities. So for example, let's look at uh, LED light bulbs. The average incandescent light bulb uh, wastes over 95% uh, or thereabouts uh, of its energy in heat. It's one of the most wasteful technologies out there. And LED lights, uh, and we've got such a variety of them out there, are way more efficient than that. So if we look at... Technology, Uh, we've got a company called Blue Mind uh, that's uh, developing very power efficient AI semiconductor technology, extremely low power requirements for AI process. Uh, And those are the types of technologies that we're thrilled to see coming to market because they can reduce power consumption. They can be part of the solution and not part of the problem.
0: It'll be very interesting to see uh, as well uh, as the year shapes up. I think that takes care of you know, all the questions that I had. Uh, uh, I feel like uh, you know this was a great discussion. I feel like I learned a lot. Uh,
1: ha- happy to have the discussion, Sadi. And if, if in future you want to discuss more, please reach out to us. We're, we're yeah. very happy to engage. And yeah. we look upon this as part of uh, the opportunity to work with you to spread the awareness.